Okay, so real quick, for all of my few students, young adults, that is a, that's a typewriter, okay? That ancient device up there, okay? Sorry, if you know what that is, you probably dated yourself there. But uh, hey, we're glad that you're here this morning. Um, last week, Pastor Zach closed us out in the book of Colossians. And uh, man, what a challenging book that uh, really, it's, it's a great book for us to learn how to like, follow God practically as, as believers. And so, man, hopefully you enjoyed that. But this week, we kick off another challenging, really, topics of stuff we're going to talk about in our new series, Christian Atheist. And the great thing about the Bible is this, is that whether we talk in the book of Colossians or Christian Atheist topic, what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks or so, um, the great thing about it is this. It's challenging, right? The God's word always has something to say. Uh, and man, I hope that uh, we go into this series with an open mind, open heart, and see really what God wants us to see. And so Christian atheists, looking forward to kicking that off this morning. Um, a little bit, when, I, when we were talking about this in staff meeting several months ago, the topic, this new series that we're gonna do, uh, I remember just thinking like, these things seem to be total opposites, right? Kind of like an oxymoron, Christian atheist. Doesn't seem like it makes sense. And uh, I kind of got it after we talked about it for a little while. But um, I think that the tagline there says essentially what it is, right? It's someone who would say, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of God. But on the flip side of that, in reality, their day-to-day life and some of these different topics we're going to talk about shows that really, maybe they're not a follower of God, or if they are a follower of God, they're at least living like they're not a true Christian atheist. And obviously the goal is this, is that as we go through these topics, every week we're talk about some challenging things. And our goal is this, that as we go through these, that we see man, where we're off in our relationship with God as believers, and, and maybe as a non-believer that's in here this morning, and we make that decision, give our life to Christ. As a believer, we grow in that relationship, get rid of that issue. So our topic this week we're going to talk about is a topic that I promise you this. I promise each and every person from this side over here all the way over here, probably even the kids area in the back, each and every one of us, at some point in our life, we've expressed this or we've struggled with this. Uh, I think for some of us, uh, maybe this morning as we were sitting around the breakfast table with our kids, and we're eating our cereal or whatever, it may have been something we messed up on this morning. It may have been a struggle we had this morning. Maybe it was in a conversation with our wife, an argument with our wife as we were coming to church this morning in the van. It may have been something that, uh, a, a conversation that broke out with your coworkers at the lunch table this week as you were talking about your boss, or as you're talking about the hours that you've worked And maybe when it came up, you responded in a way that was displeasing to God. It kind of showed that you didn't respond how a follower of God should respond, someone that would completely deny God. And that topic is this, anger. And I think if all of us are honest, we've all expressed that to, and a lot of times it's usually people that we're closest to in life. Now, here's the deal with anger talk about two different kinds of anger this morning. So there's anger that's a good anger. The Bible talks about it, biblical or righteous anger. We'll spend a few minutes just talking about that. We're, not, we're mainly going to be on the other anger, which is sinful anger. But uh, anger can be a good thing. Think about like a fire. Um, I enjoy going to my backyard uh, with my wife and kids. 
on the weekends and having a, a fire in our fire pit, making s'mores the kids, eating hot dogs with them, hanging out with them. There's nothing like it, right? It's, it's, it's good. It's a good time. It's a good thing. But here's the deal. Outside of that bonfire pit or you know, that, that fire pit, if it gets outside of that, it's dry outside, it can cause great damage. Think of a wildfire, house fire. I mean, millions and millions of dollars can happen just by a wildfire. Lives can be lost. I mean, there is severe damage that can happen when a fire is not contained. I mean, we all get that. Anger, believe this, it's the same way. In some cases, it can be good. Other cases, it can be bad. Uh, there are appropriate times in our life for anger. Uh, if you love someone and they're hurt, it's kind of a normal response to have anger. Right? It should be the motivator to fix the issue. If someone that you love, that you're close to, is hurt, anger can be a good thing. It can help give us that like sign, hey, something needs to be fixed here. And in fact, God, he even experienced anger. And you guys probably know this, but Jesus, going to Mark chapter 11, we're going to read it here, just a couple verses. Jesus responds with righteous anger in uh, Mark 11, 15 to 17 in the temple. And he says this, he came to Jerusalem and he went to the temple and began to throw out those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of money changers and the chairs of those selling doves and would not per permit anyone to carry goods through the temple. He was teaching them. Is it not written, my house will be called the house of prayer for all nations? But check this out. You've made it a den of thieves. See, when Jesus, he cleared the temple, flipped tables, okay, uh, other accounts, we've seen John actually tells us that he makes a whip, he fashions a whip. All right, when he comes and he's flipping these, these tables, these money changers, these animal sellers, he, he showed great emotion and anger, and it was appropriate. It was right. It was described as zeal for God. His anger was pure and it was completely justified because its main root concern was for God's house, God's holiness, and his worship. See, he's angry with these Jewish leaders because they had defiled this place of worship. Uh, the Pharisees, they were, you know, them, these other, you know, animal sellers, they were jacking the price up of of these, these doves that the people had to have to worship God, and they were just, I mean, jacking them up through the roof. And they were selling them inside of God's house. And Jesus sees it, and he's like, that's not what this place is about. It's not about making money. It's about worshiping God. And you're padding your own pockets. So rightfully so, he starts flipping tables. Now, think about it like this. I mean, we're close to Cedar Point, right? Everybody like, we got any Cedar Point fans in here? Any Cedar Point fans? Okay. 10, all right. <laughs> one of the worst things about Cedar, I like Cedar Point, by the way. One of the worst things about Cedar Point is, is like, it's like their prices for food and stuff like that. I mean, you know how it is. You go there and you're like, you got the family and you're like, hey, we're just gonna, let's just get some drinks. We're gonna stop, get a couple Cokes, good to go. And it's like 20 bucks for two drinks, right? Like it's ridiculous. They jack the prices up. I mean, that Coke probably costs 50 cents or a dollar to make and they're selling it for like an insane profit. That's, it's the same way here but it's happening inside of God's house. And it's happening, in fact, with the extreme, extreme, extremely poor that are in that community of worship. So they're being taken advantage of. So it is a right thing when someone is being taken advantage of to do this. And Jesus responds in that way. But here's the deal. That's Jesus. He's perfect, right? So he's gonna respond like that. But how about a human example? The guy we're gonna talk about actually a lot and how he didn't respond later the right way, but he responds right here, is Moses. Um, Many of you guys probably know the story too. Moses, he displays righteous anger when he returned from the mountain where he's up there and 
getting the Ten Commandments and being formed by God. And he comes down from the temple, or I'm sorry, comes down from the mountain. And what does he see? He sees all of his people doing what? With Aaron leading them, his brother, they're worshiping a golden calf that they had made. And so what does he do? He responds in anger. He breaks the Ten Commandments. And he gives them some things they gotta do that's pretty crazy. He responds with righteous anger because the Israelites, they were participating in idolatry and profaning the name of God. And they fashioned this calf, this golden calf, as their quote-unquote God, completely forgetting that God just brought them out of Egypt, completely forgetting all that they went through, and God graciously frees them and starts sending them to the promised land, a place they could call their own. So, yes, in our lives, anger can be used for good. Even in Ephesians 4, 26, 27, it says this to believers, to the church. Now, be angry. Do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give the devil an opportunity. See, we're told that it is acceptable for believers to be angry. Anger can be used to stand up for others and can be used to defend right principles. It's the definition of biblical anger if you want to write it down or whatever. I thought it was pretty simple, but it's good. Biblical anger is God-given energy intended to help us solve problems. Biblical anger is God-given energy intended to help us solve problems. Anger is said to be that warning flag of mistreatment to others, injustice, and people being violated. So yes, there is a kind of anger that is right. Okay? We're done with that. All right? But here's the deal. If most of us are honest, we don't respond with that kind of anger. We respond with sinful anger. We respond with anger that isn't pleasing to God. And really, we're going to talk, we're going to define, we're going to talk about that a lot this morning. And uh, before we get there, though, that's what I want to do. I want to show you guys, oh gosh, a couple examples here um, of what I would say is most definitely sinful anger. And, um, you know, and I'm a visual guy, so I, I like to see things. And um, so we'll define it a little bit. We'll define what sinful anger is in a little bit. But for right now, I want to show you guys just a couple videos of a couple funny videos of sinful anger. So go ahead, guys, roll the first one, and then we'll get the next one. If this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Such a gracious guy, right? My goodness. So if your phone rings today, I, will, I won't do that, all right? I promise I won't. Um, but so we would say this. Okay, probably less is cool a little bit there. Um, now, the next guy, though, okay, the next guy, if that guy was sinful angry, this guy's like 25,000 times past that. You guys are going to roll that next one. We'll look at that real quick. 
There was a young man in, in Calvary. Uh, his name was Ben. And I was running a youth group. I was there for a few years. And um, he was just, he was a nice kid. But he was one of those kids that was always just, he's a real smart aleck. He was, just, was, was a bright kid, which didn't help things, right? Made him more dangerous. And we were outside one day at youth group. And uh, he was just, just trying to push my buttons. And he was just, you know, kind of not taking the Lord serious. And I walked over to him and I went, bam! I punched him in the chest as hard as I, I crumpled the kid. I just crumpled him. And I said, I leaned over and I said, Ben, when are you going to stop playing games with God? I led that man to the Lord right there. There's times that that might be needed. No, there's not. Nope, nope, there's definitely not times that that is needed. And you did not lead that man to the Lord right there, all right? Whew, all right. Some of your students sometimes, no, I'm just kidding, all right? I'm not, no, I'm, I wouldn't do that. But uh, no, so, so those are kind of extreme, obviously. Um, but uh, I think if we're honest, though, the topic of anger today, a lot of us do respond maybe in an improper way, and I hope like neither of those guys at all. But, uh, you know, our goal is this today, is that we can expose, we can see that sinful anger in our heart, in our life, and we can get rid of it, right, and respond how Christ desires us to. Um, thankfully... In Scripture, we have an example of this guy named Moses who doesn't, he responds right earlier, but in this situation, in Numbers chapter 20 that we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, he doesn't respond the right way. He responds in a way that is definitely displeasing to God, and his anger comes out. And um, so we're going we're gonna to break this down. We're going to talk about it. We're going to learn some things, just four things about anger that we can take away from today's lesson, uh, today's message and uh, hopefully it can help us out. All right, so let's go ahead, let's look at Numbers 20, and we'll be in verse 2 down to verse number 5. It says this, There was no water for the community, so they assembled against Moses and Aaron. The people, they quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had perished when our brothers had perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into the wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you led us up from Egypt to bring us this evil place? It's not a place of grain, of figs, vines, and pomegranates. There's no water to drink. So the people, they're upset at Moses and Aaron. They're questioning them. Why would you bring us to this place, this wilderness? Like, was the whole purpose, <clears throat> just so you made this like a burial grounds for all of our cattle and all of us, because there's no food, there's no water. Uh, man, we, we have nothing out here. Why wouldn't you just leave us where we were at? See, they complain that they don't have all these different things, these amenities. Now, mind you this, if you're Moses, you've heard this a lot of times. Okay, this isn't the first time that you've heard this. I mean, they've time and time again, they've, they've been complaining to Moses about not having water, not having food. So how does Moses respond? Verse 6 to 8 is what he says. Then Moses and Aaron, they went from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent meeting. <clears throat> they fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord spoke to Moses, take the staff and assemble the community. You and your brother Aaron are to, ready, ready for this? Speak to the rock while they watch, and it will yield its water. You will bring out water uh, for them from the rock and provide drink for the community and their livestock. See, this is actually the second time that this kind of thing happens here. Back in Exodus chapter 17, if you remember, there was a time that God actually commanded, they, they came to him, kind of complained, came to Moses, complained, and God commanded Moses, said, Moses, go and take your staff, 
hit the rock and out will come water. Okay, that was back in Exodus 17. This is a different time, a little bit later. And so there's different instructions here. What, what were the clear instructions? What is Moses to do to the rock? He's supposed to speak to the rock. Speak to it. Hey, water, come out, come forth, right? Verse 9 to 11 <clears throat> says this. So Moses, he took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron, they summoned the assembly in front of the rock. Okay, hold on. So up to this point, he's done everything he's supposed to, okay? Moses has a staff. He's at the right rock. He's at that place. He's before the community. So they're, they're going to witness God doing this great miracle, this work, right? <clears throat> he's got the staff. He's here. He's ready. And what happens next? Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Must we bring water out of this rock for you? Then Moses, he raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff so that abundant water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. Moses, man, he messes up and he responds in sinful anger. So first thing about anger this morning is this. Circumstances are never an excuse to respond in anger. Circumstances are never an excuse to respond in anger. See, our, our problem is that our culture has made excuses for being angry because of different circumstances of life. And so as believers, we've just kind of fallen into that trap. See, we have to remember that as believers, we've been called out of this world, and we shouldn't respond as the world does in most situations, including in our anger and showing that. I mean, we can make excuse after excuse after excuse for, for letting our angry, anger spill out, for letting it take control of us based off of life, circumstances, things that have happened to us, how we've been wronged, how we've been hurt by someone. Maybe someone mistreated you and, or someone that you know, and so you respond not in righteous anger, but in sinful angle, anger. Circumstances are never an excuse to respond in that kind of anger. See, Moses... He had a lot of bad circumstances. If you know anything about the life of Moses at this point, I mean, think about what's happened. First of all, this exact same thing's happened multiple times. They've come to him, complained, 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 complained multiple times. He's probably getting irritated with leading these people, right? You've got Aaron and Miriam, his own two siblings that just several chapters before, they're complaining to him and opposing him and like kind of questioning and challenging him on, hey, are you really this, this leader that's supposed to be God's man? I mean, his own siblings, Israel is defeated by their enemies chapters before this. And actually at the very beginning of chapter 20, verse number one, it tells us that Miriam, his sister, passes away. And then right after that, right on the heels of his sister dying, they come to him again with this complaint. We don't have food. We don't got water. Why'd you bring us here, Moses? And so Moses, in anger, he responds by taking a staff and hitting the rock. But before that, it's interesting what he says. He says, hey, listen, you rebels. Now, for us, I don't know if like, we understand really what that means, but in Hebrew, what, you know what he's saying? He's essentially like cursing them. He's like saying, hey, you idiots, you morons. Like, why? What, why are you asking me this question again? I'm so sick and tired of hearing this from you guys. So you can, you can hear it in his voice of what he says and what the words say. Hey, listen, you rebels. I mean, the anger is pouring out from him. If circumstances and conditions of life hit and we respond with anger, it tells us what really is inside of our heart. A lot of people think anger is something outside, where the Bible tells us something different, different in Jeremiah 79. It tells us it's about our heart. It says the heart is more deceitful than anything else. And anger, it's not something that happens to you. It's something 
that's inside of you. We all can probably think of circumstances in our life, maybe how we were raised, treated, whatever. Right, we can think of all those circumstances of life that we at least have an excuse to be angry. Man, it's not from God. It's not from God. And we should never let our circumstances be that excuse for responding that way. All right, next, about anger. God will not bless the unrighteous pursuit of a right end. Maybe when we're so passionate about something, right, that is, we'll say counterculture, right? We're passionate about our, our faith and maybe a certain stance on, you know, whatever, right? We're so passionate about it that we get in arguments, we get in fights, and well, a case in point would be the dude that's crumpling, the poor little Ben, right? I mean, Ben got laid out just because he's a rebellious kid or whatever, and the guy thought he'd take it to his own hands and punch the kid. Not cool, not right at all, okay? Unrighteous, not right, okay? Had a desire, wanted the kid to follow God, but not the way we do it, right? If, if we have the right end for maybe a, a friend that we have that maybe is they're anti-God, anti-Christian, but all we're doing is like completely going to them and, and, and ripping on them, maybe even like it's a coworker that you have and you have a dispute on, you know, whatever. Maybe it's a, a, you're, you're pro-life, obviously, as a believer, and they're pro-choice. You've gotten arguments and fights, and you're gossiping about that person behind their back. That's not right. That's not right. That's not the way to solve it. See, Moses, he had clear instruction from God. God was specific. He told Moses how to get water out of the rock. Don't have to hit it. All, right, all you got to do, Moses, speak to it. That's all you got to do. And we can't be guilty of and judging Moses here, right? I mean, we mistreat and we avoid people that we maybe disagree with or that disagree with us. And we do that, we gossip about them, maybe because they're on the other side of the fence or whatever. It, just a simple thing here and we'll move on. Sin will never solve sin. Sin will never solve sin. It's, ne it's, it's not gonna solve it. Mistreating those people who are spiritually, politically, whatever, even if you're right, but they're on the other side, completely other side, Mistreating them will never, ever, ever be blessed by God. Love is the only thing that covers sin. And the next thing, we're going to spend some more time here. Acting out in disobedient anger, it carries with it consequences. Acting out in disobedient anger, it carries with it consequences. Back in our text, Moses, he had consequences for his disobedient anger. And those consequences, they would affect not just him and not just Aaron, but also a whole bunch of people that follow him, the Israelites. And it says this in verse number 12 and 13. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and he demonstrated his holiness to them. See, because of his anger, Moses and all the people, they are rejected from coming into the promised land that they had been traveling to for years and years and years. And so we, we can say it this way, very simple, okay? Anger has its consequences. Sinful anger always carries with it huge consequences. Anger, it's an emotion, and when we let it take control, it causes us to, to say things that really, you know, we, we don't mean. It causes us to, to say things that are hurtful. We have to remember, as believers, we have to be careful, intentional, thoughtful with our words, not careless when we start getting angry. My oldest sister, Katie, uh, yeah, she's an oldest sister, and we, we were really close growing up, only a couple years apart. And uh, we would always go over to my grandma's after uh, Sunday church and stuff. We'd have lunch over there. 
and we'd always play as kids out back, and again, Katie and I were really close, and I remember there was one Sunday, probably like seven or eight, I think she was, I was, she was nine or ten, and uh, we, uh, we had these like horseshoe, like this like kid, supposed to be kid safe, uh, wooden horseshoe set, all right, and it had like these red wooden stakes you put in the ground, it had these, you know, wooden horseshoes, again, supposed to be kid safe, and, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I was just a little kid, and I'm doing stuff, not thinking, not being careful about anything. And we're out in the backyard playing, and I've got this steak, and I'm just, I'm eating this thing. I'm just throwing this thing all over the place, not thinking about it, right, not thinking about it at all. And uh, I was out in the backyard at the time by myself, okay. And uh, I think my sister maybe went inside to do something. And I remember I'm in the backyard, grandma's house, grandma and says, hanging out, loving life. And I just turn around, I just, I just throw this thing. I just chuck it across the yard, Okay. Well, I threw it kind of at like the corner of my grandma's house, and it was like right about that time that my sister Katie, she steps around the corner, and the wooden stake hit her right in the forehead, okay? And there's blood going everywhere, all right? She's crying, Mom, am I right? It happened, right? It, it was bad, all right? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I, I'm sorry for you, but I'm really sorry for what's about to happen to me when I get my butt beat. Uh, so... So anyway, so, so she's crying. I remember, like, before I go and get mom and dad, you know, I'm getting the ground. I'm like, Katie, I'm sorry. I didn't mean, I wasn't thinking. Like, I didn't know you were there. I'm sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. Uh, please forgive me. I, I, I don't want to get spanked later. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Please, you know, I, don't tell mom. Don't tell dad, which obviously, you know, there's blood everywhere. It's a mess. And so, this is, you know. Um, so, did, question for you guys. When I did all those things, did, and I was like, I'm sorry, I wasn't careful, I wasn't thinking, that's my bad, I should not have done that. Did that stop the bleeding? No. Did that stop the pain? No, it didn't. See, I wasn't being careful with something that was dangerous. Ended up and hurt, hurt someone that I really cared about. See, I think as believers, this is similar to our words. They can be dangerous to those that we love, that we care about, especially in the moment of anger. I mean, we can say, maybe, maybe we just maybe just blew up, right? Or maybe we just went off the handle, and maybe we tell our spouse or our kids or you know one of our friends, and we get angry, like, hey, hey, I was just angry. I didn't mean to respond like that. Like that wasn't. I, I didn't mean those words that I said. It wasn't on purpose. I promise. That's. It, it, it was just the heat of rage. Like I, it wasn't really that big of a deal because it wasn't. It wasn't really me. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. But here's the deal. It still hurts the person that you're saying it to, regardless. It's not just like when you say that, oh, okay, we're good to go, we can move on. It's not like that. That's not how it works. It's not edifying. Another way that we let our anger take over in our speech is by what's called venting. I'm sure we've all done that before, okay? Um, the problem with venting is this. Most of the time, the only person that it benefits is you. I don't know if you've, like, been doing this Christian thing for a while or not, but, uh, and that's not what Christ called us to do. Life isn't about making our life better, and it's about serving others, pointing people to Jesus. Most of the time, the person that's listening, that's getting the negative feed, it's, it's, all, it's all negative feedback they're receiving from someone else. Again, not edifying. Proverbs 18.21, it tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and we have to control it. But it starts by controlling our anger from within our heart. See, we have the fruit of the Spirit control, okay? Um, and we all, to the extent, have control, self-control. 
Um, we've all done this before, okay? Um, maybe you're a mom and it's Monday morning before school and you forgot to get the kids breakfast. And so you decide, I'm going to go to McDonald's. And uh, you go, you're going to pull at McDonald's and you're fighting, right? I mean, you're fighting with the kids. Everyone's upset, right? You're yelling at such and such for, you know, fighting with their, you know, their sibling. You're yelling at such and such for not having the right clothes. And you guys are going back and forth. And then you pull up to the McDonald's speaker and they ask you what you want and everything just changes, right? Or maybe you're at home and you're in a fight with your spouse, fight with your kids, and your best friend calls, right? I mean, you're in the middle of a knockdown, drag out fight. And one of your best friend calls asks you, hey, how's it going? You doing all right? Oh, yeah, man, Lewis household, we're great. We're good to go. Kids are doing good. They got all A's in school. My wife and I have been happily married for all these years. Yes, we're doing. how are you doing? Self-control, right? You've got it, all right? See, when we start just spewing out things in anger, we have to remember self-control. And stop, repent, cut it out. See, the damage that is, cut, or that is caused by words that can cut so deep. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. There's one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. In our words, they can be like a piercing sword cut in and out. See, I'm sure most of us, we can remember maybe some hurtful words that a teacher or a parent or a loved one or a coach said to us. And sure, it's all these years down the road, but maybe there's still scars that are there. I mean, you remember those hurtful words. So we have to ask ourselves, in doing life with others, man, ask yourself this, like, what is that person feeling about these words if I express my anger to them? Man, what are they, what are they feeling? Is that hurting them? And ask God for help with that. Let them take control. We'll talk a little bit about how to do that in a second, how to let God take that. There have been times, I'll be honest with you guys, in my life I've had to apologize to my wife, I had to apologize to my kids, had to apologize to believers in the church, I've had to apologize to non-believers for words that came out of my sinful heart when I responded in anger. And once they're out, like it says in Proverbs 12, it's like a piercing sword. And no matter how they heal up, there's always gonna be a scar with that person. See, we have to get the anger, it's rooted in idolatry. The reason why we get angry inside and we lash out a lot of times is because this, like, man, my God didn't get what he wanted. He was offended, and my God is me. And I didn't get what I wanted. And so I respond in anger. See, when you start to get angry or we get anger, before we say anything, we need to stop and to think through the words that we're getting ready to say. We have to be intentional with our words, being careful, not careless with our words. I heard a pastor share this recently. I thought it was just really good. Uh, he was mainly talking to dads. Um, but you can apply this really to any relationship, even moms. But he said, dads, if you lead that kind of life, one that like you blow up in this heat of rage when you get home because you had a stressful day at work or whatever, um, like, man, you think, tough day, life is tough, it's difficult, we're behind on bills, um, all these other things. And so I just, I have excuses for letting loose in my family. Like, it's okay. And so your kids are in this vicious cycle of dad roulette. And they're probably waiting at home, looking out the window, seeing, hey, when dad gets in, he's got his lunchbox, he's walking in, you know, getting out of the car, like, man, does he have a smile on his face or does he look sad? Like, what, kind, what dad are we going to get today? Are we going to get happy dad that loves us and that, man, wants to talk to us, have a relationship with us? We're going to get the dad that had a bad day at work that's going to bring that trash home and dump it out on us. And don't, don't make your kids play dad roulette. 
Man, dads and moms were given the job of cultivating those kids, that they would love God and they would love others and they would flourish in their relationship with people and God. Acting out in disobedient anger, it carries with it consequences that go on and on and on, just like Moses had to deal with. And the last thing about anger, and we'll be done, the way to handle anger. Simple. The way to handle anger is this. Trust God. Don't take matters into your own hands. See, when we take anger into our own hands, what we're saying is this. God, man, I don't need you. God, I got this. Like, God, I can fix this. My question is this. How's that working? Is that working out for you? I'd say probably not. Moses, he had some pretty terrible results of trying to do things his own way in his own power. Moses was told by God, hey, the reason that you're not going to the promised land is because you just didn't trust me. That's why. You didn't trust what I said. I told you to speak to rock and you hit it. You called the people, practically calling them, you know, morons. In your anger, you took control of the situation thinking you could fix it without trusting me. And that carries with the consequences. See, when we try to fix any of the problems in life outside of what God says, the results are always displeasing to God and disappointment to ourselves. The whole purpose of Jesus coming to this earth and saving us from our sin, well, it's just that, to save us from our anger, save us from our hurt, our hate, save us from our lying, our bitterness, our gossip, our pride, because we couldn't fix our sin problem. We couldn't do it. So Jesus did. Only trusting in Jesus to forgive us and to fix us is a way to forgiveness in relationship with God. That's true for any Christian now. Any issue that you have, and God wants to fix it. Any sin that you got, God wants to take it. He wants to wear it for you. He wants to give you forgiveness. Moses, in the heat of the moment, he hits this rock trying to fix the problem rather than simply just trusting what God said. Speak to the rock. And God wants to take your anger. He wants to give you peace. So if you're a Christian, you're struggling with anger. Trust what God's word said. James 4, one of, really, the book of James, one of the most practical books in all the Bible for Christian living. But James chapter 4, verse 1 to 12, it's specifically about how to deal with conflict and issues between believers, which I'm sure, as you can guess, uh, anger is one of those. It says in James 4, 1 to 2, and then in verse 7 to 10, it says, like, what do we do with that? Once we have that anger, those quarrels, it says, those issues with other believers, it says this, admit our sin, our anger, call to God in prayer for help, Draw close to him. And you know what it says? I'll draw close to you. So, action steps. Maybe you've wronged someone. You've responded in anger. And here's, here's the deal. What James says, go to that person. Before, before tonight's up. Like, go to that person. Say, man, I've wronged you. I, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? I, I, I messed up. I responded in anger. Should not have said that. Should not have done that. I know it's gonna. I know it's gonna hurt. The scar's gonna stay there. But I'm just gonna be honest with you. I was wrong. I messed up. Go to them. Tell them that. Verse two. Talk to God about it. Pray to God about it. And, and when I say pray to God, I think it's not just God. Help me with my anger. I'm sorry. I messed up. And go on. Sit down. Set 10, 15 minutes aside today. Talk to God about it. Say, God, man, show me. Expose, man. Why did I respond so angry? Like, why did I do that? I'm sorry, God. I messed up. Then verse 8 says this, you do that and draw nigh to God. Man, spend time in God's word. Talk to him about it. Ask God for, for help. And God says this, you do that, God will draw near to you. 
That's it today. That's it. Maybe you're struggling with anger. Maybe that's, that's the issue that you've got. And James 4 lays it out for us. Go to the person, ask forgiveness, talk to God, get forgiveness from him, and ask him to, to grow in your relationship with him. Draw close to him, but draw close to you. That's our fix for anger. Next week, we'll continue on our Christian Atheist series. Let's pray this morning. We'll turn it over to the band. God, thanks for your word. Thanks for the truth of it. God, thanks for the challenge. God, that, uh, God that's, that's all throughout the Bible, all the challenges, God. And, and we saw that in the book of Colossians. God, we continue. God, we look at one of the greatest Christians in the Old Testament, greatest followers of God in the Old Testament being Moses. God did awesome, awesome things for you. Did some phenomenal miracles through your power. God, here, just to be honest, he messed up. God, but we know this. God, that's, that's not the end of the life of Moses. That's not the end of, God, our life. God, we respond in anger, sinful anger. Not the right kind of anger, but sinful anger with our kids and our spouses, God, and coworkers and our bosses and teammates. God, I pray that we would when we respond to sinful anger, we get that fixed today. God, Paul says, don't let the sun set on your anger. I pray that you'd help us not to do that. God, we thank you so much for all that you've done. Thanks for bringing us here this morning. We can worship you. Help us to go here. Leave this place changed. In Christ's name, amen.